Hi, I'm Jonathan Sapovitz, and this is a Research Minute on the CIPRI Knowledge Hub. Research Minutes are brief updates on cutting-edge educational research to keep policymakers and practitioners informed about the field. I'm here today with Don Purak, an Associate Professor of Education at the University of Michigan. Don studies the production, use, and management of knowledge and practice in large-scale, network-based educational improvement initiatives. Hi, Don. Hey, John. Thanks for having me. Today, we're going to talk about a new article you just published in Education Researcher, just in October 2016, entitled Large-Scale Network-Based Educational Improvement Initiatives. So, Don, can you tell me what is a school improvement network and how this connects to hub organizations? Sure. Uh, The term school improvement networks is one that colleagues and I have used to describe innovating enterprises where you have a a central hub organization that collaborates with schools over long periods of time to improve practice in classrooms, in principal's offices, and in the hub organization itself. These hub organizations can be nonprofit organizations, university-based centers. They can be special projects headquartered in local education agencies or regional education service agencies. And again, they work with schools, collections of schools, sometimes within a particular district, oftentimes across districts or even state lines, to work on serious problems of practice. So what are some examples of some of these kinds of networks and hub organizations? When people ask me that, one of my favorite things to do is to point them to the federal I-3 program and look at the variety of organizations that have received funding under the Investing in Innovation program. Some key examples are those that received um, scale-up funding in the first year of the program. For example, Reading Recovery, Success for All, the Knowledge is Power program, or KIPP, types of networks structured within local education agencies or in collaboration between districts and researchers. And a, a really terrific example of that is the MIST project that Paul Cobb and colleagues ran out of Vanderbilt University. What makes these type of school improvement organizations distinct from the more traditional types of uh, support providers? Yeah, uh, traditional support providers often operate in what we think of as a kind of diffusion mode, that, that they have an approach or a strategy and they run professional development sessions pulled out of practice without deep engagement with practitioners in making use of their ideas over time. With these school improvement networks, you see some real differences. One is the unit of intervention. Typically, they work with entire schools or formidable subsets of schools. Their terms of engagement are different. They engage in sustained relationships over years. And that's another hallmark of these, quite different from diffusion enterprises that run understandings in one direction from themselves into practice. There's a real bilateral collaboration. So could you talk a little bit about how they might distinctively focus on continuous learning? Yeah, I mean, what's really interesting when you watch these organizations and these enterprises learn is that they put together two ideas that many in educational reform and policy think about as antithetical. On the one hand, They support a sort of fidelity of implementation orientation that organization scholars would talk about in terms of exploitation. They support schools in taking advantage of knowledge that's already been generated. But the key is that they don't stop there. As schools begin to develop capabilities to do new work, the problem becomes 
contextualizing that knowledge. Every single school has idiosyncratic problems, different environments, and the matter then becomes supporting what organizational scholars would call exploration in what people in education would describe as adaptive use. As schools begin to develop base level capabilities, the matter then becomes supporting them in learning to solve their own problems in their specific contexts. And here's where the power of the network comes in. As a hub organization, what you immediately then have are a set of incubators, a whole array of schools that are refining and testing solutions to problems. And it's this interaction between exploiting existing knowledge and exploring new alternatives and cycling through that throughout a, a network that, that drives the learning and improvement. So one thing that's very distinctive about your work is your articulation of the environments, what you would call the improvement infrastructure that resides inside of schools and districts. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you view the improvement infrastructure that these networks are working within? You could ratchet it up actually a level and think more broadly in just terms of innovation infrastructure. These networks operate in environments that are pressing them strongly to demonstrate positive impact on student outcomes. And there's a whole infrastructure established through combinations of policy investment and philanthropic investment and research activity that supports network leaders and school leaders in quickly incorporating rigorous evaluation into their day-to-day -day work. We have a strong impact infrastructure, but a comparatively weak improvement infrastructure. We don't see the same policy investment in methods of continuous improvement and in organizations and in research shops that can support continuous improvement in schools. We don't see philanthropists investing as strongly in that. We see pockets of this activity where organizations are developing capabilities to support networks in learning to get better. But there are a few of those in relation to the number of these networks. And As you look across different kinds of school improvement networks, what do you see as sort of the lay of the land in terms of evidence of their effectiveness? What you see are some positive outliers that have demonstrated unusual effectiveness at scale. For example, the I3 scale-up winners from the first year, Reading Recovery, Success for All, KIPP. These are organizations where researchers have identified them as learning and improving in exactly the ways that I've described. And we also have negative evidence, cases where research has shown that these types of networks really don't work. The real matter is that there's this big gray space in the middle where either evaluations are equivocal or the evaluations have not completed successfully. And in my analysis, that's very much an artifact of this work of continuous improvement, that these networks are, are churning and learning and improving in ways that complicate successfully fielding and completing an evaluation that fundamentally requires them to sit still for a little while so that we can stabilize things and try to figure out if they're working. So if you were going to talk to policymakers who are thinking about working with these kind of organizations, what should they be thinking about? Yeah, I think that there's a, a couple of things would be worth thinking about. It requires a bit of a different orientation towards educational innovation. In the U.S., the electoral cycle, the reality of politics and other things, 
are what accumulate into this press to demonstrate impact immediately in the short term. I mean, we have a lot of political promises that are on short time frames. But when you wander into this work of improvement, this is stuff that happens over years, over decades. It takes a long time for these organizations to develop the capabilities to learn and improve. And so when you look at, for example, the scale-up winners in the first year of the I3 program, these were enterprises that have been in operation for 30 years, 35, 40 years, that took a long time to learn to get better at getting better. So that's one point. There's a, a real challenge. How do you think seriously about supporting this improvement work in a political context that presses for short-term results? Another, though, is if you want to begin to work proactively on this, one is to recognize that a hallmark of a positively developing network is one that has some evidence that it's seriously engaging the work of continuous learning and improvement. A, a third thing, in, in, in my opinion, is to take on this notion of an improvement infrastructure that operates at the national or federal level. I said before that we have this thing called an impact infrastructure, which is a whole constellation of firms, research shops, grant funding, and others that enable the leaders of these networks and other educational innovators to quickly incorporate rigorous evaluation into their practice. That's a product of policy. We've invested in this impact infrastructure over the past 25 to 30 years through the investment in statistical research methods, the production of researchers, the requirement that innovators collaborate with these firms and these researchers in doing their work. But we haven't had commensurate investment in the development of an improvement infrastructure. And I think that that's where there might be some action. Federal investment in research on continuous improvement. Federal investment in preparation programs for researchers who want to work in the role of collaborator with innovators in learning to get better. We will easily say you need to use a million dollars to support an impact evaluation, but we don't have anything like that that says, go out and find some partners who can help you in learning to get better. So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about improvement infrastructure. And if what we really believe and understand is that the people we charge with improving schools need to learn how to improve schools, then we need to learn how to support them in that learning. And that's this notion of an improvement infrastructure. And I think that we need to start talking about that and wondering about what constellation of policy, philanthropic, and research activity can, can spark its growth. That's a powerful idea. What are you working on currently that is continuing and deepening this work? I'm collaborating with David Cohen and Jim Spallan on a Spencer-funded initiative where we're studying very different school systems to understand how they organize to support the work of teaching, learning, and the improvement of teaching and learning. I've, I've also recently been named a fellow of the Carnegie Foundation for the Advancement of Teaching and have begun working with them on two projects. One is a project where we are collaborating between Carnegie and me and my role as a professor at the University of Michigan to create a new online micromasters program offered through the edX platform focused on leading educational innovation and improvement. Then within Carnegie, we're also beginning to organize a network leaders learning community that pulls together the leaders of networks of the sorts that we've been talking about. One of the things that we've begun to understand is that developing 
a learning network is contingent on leaders knowing how to do just that. So we want to, in our beginning, to pull together this network leaders learning community that will engage the leaders of different continuously improving networks in deep discussion about their work. And then that will create a context in which we can learn to support them in learning to do their work so that more networks can begin to successfully engage in the type of continuous learning and improvement we've been talking about here. Don, this has been a fascinating conversation. You've really got some exciting things going on, and I want to thank you for sharing your work with the Knowledge Hub. I'm thrilled to be able to. Thank you very much for the opportunity, John. Thank you for listening to Research Minutes. To share your thoughts on this discussion, head to khconversations at cprehub.org. To subscribe to our weekly podcast and to listen to more interviews, head to soundcloud.com slash knowledgehub And for the latest videos, podcasts, and discussion updates, follow us at CPRI Hub on Twitter and at CPRI Knowledge Hub on Facebook. We look forward to hearing from you.